It's a big deal kind of talking into the silence. So to begin this evening, just to follow <clears throat> with uh, Sharda's uh, piece last night, from she read two of them from Shanti Deva. So I'd like to just start with this is from the Bodhicharya Tara. It's called The Miracle of Awakening. As a blind man feels when he finds a pearl in a dustbin, so I am amazed by the miracle of awakening rising in my consciousness. It is the nectar of immortality that delivers, delivers us from death. It is the nectar of immortality that delivers us, the treasure that lifts us above poverty into the wealth of giving of life. The tree that gives shade to us when we roam about scorched by life. The bridge that takes us across the stormy river of life. The cool moon of compassion that calms our minds when it is agitated. And the sun that dispels darkness. The butter made from milk of kindness by churning it with the Dharma. It is a feast of joy to which all are invited. So uh, tonight, uh, as Sharda has been <clears throat> been so clear and precise about uh, looking at the um, really the uh, how to hold it in the sense of equanimity and not how not to get lost in the uh, kind of the delight and joy of practice, but actually to hold it in this uh, balance of uh, being. So I wrote you a poem, which I would like to read, uh, not to follow Shanti Deva, just to uh, uh, explore uh, the kind of uh, I don't know. It's sort of like arriving here is, is speaking into the silence, but it's also this collage of um, this process of, of exploring that we're all kind of uh, we're listening. And the thing that's so uh, profound right now, where everyone is, whether you've been here for two weeks or six weeks, there is a a deep uh, uh, that stopping that's happened. Uh, The waters have calmed. And it's very apparent in all ways. So we had uh, a beautiful uh, kind of introspection of the rain yesterday. And then we had uh, a remarkable um, sun and bees and flies and all sorts of uh, wonderful things. So I wrote a poem called Spring. While I was writing this, I have a back window there that sits by that, by the creek back there. So, 
the gurgling of the creek asking only one thing. Quote, can you move with me? Can you move with me? Teaching, never the same twice. Just moving. Asking to trust the impossible of this waiting. How to breathe this aloneness poised on the ledge of spring. Everything's waiting. Bees, flies, you, me. Trembling from the earth's power of renewal. You came to this place knowing only faith could carry you across the threshold. Some fierce love so deeply buried some moments so long forgotten, rising out of some clear mind, heart. Keenly feeling its lightness, its brightness, waiting to be found to come alive to its own delight, joy, steadiness, letting the darkness Recede. This great posture, unmoved by the small discomforts, sitting, an ancient Buddha, revealing an upward spiral, moving towards a moment, a moment of disappearing, following up all the way up to nowhere, step by step. Oh, moving back into the known, this becoming, grabbing the smallest sound in time, bang. your sensitivity yelling, ouch, caught, trapped, struggle, had enough of this dying, please, please, let go. No wish, no need, only to journey down with gravity. Revelations occur. We were, we were never not whole. Blessed and blessed again by the emptiness, the nakedness of it all. We have to give up everything to sit here. The eyes of a wise one, the heart of a child. We have to give up everything to sit here. The eyes of the wise one and the heart of the child. So I think I'd like to just kind of uh, ramble a little here about
this uh, moment where we uh, recognize that uh, that clinging, that craving, that a kind of wanting that we uh, actually recognize that we can just sit in the center, not move towards or away from, but to just sit in the center. It's our practice here. This knowing, this wakefulness, this presence, this uh, capacity uh, to know that the moving towards or away from is not it. And so we sit in some center, uh, some uh, unknown. And we know somehow some message deep down that it's true. That if we go the other way, we suffer. Ouch. We struggle. Ouch. So we have to know it for what it really is, over and over and over again. Each time, knowing that somehow there is a training, a repetition that allows uh, that first recognition you came to this place knowing only faith could carry you across the threshold knowing only faith could carry you across the threshold some fierce love so deeply buried some moments so long forgotten rising out of some clear mind heart So we understand that when we've turned uh, away, uh, the Buddha simply said, it's going upstream. That when we turn, uh, that we don't actually know. There has to be something that uh, recognize that the other direction doesn't work. You know, and some reason we have to go over this again and again and realize it doesn't work. So you stop. You don't know. You can't know. but from the path itself, this this great posture, unmoved by the small discomforts, this great posture, unmoved by the small discomforts, sitting an ancient Buddha, revealing an upward spiral moving 
towards a moment, a moment of disappearing. So, you said you don't know. Uh, At first, there is the recognition. And the thing is to understand that these are not in order. You can jump anywhere around in this. Uh, It is not a linear process and somewhat spiral, but at the same time, um, there is the the awareness and the vision of the way things are that can be known immediately. And at the same time, there is a building that happens. And that building happens in that, uh, in those moments where we know we have to let go. We know there's, you know, no ground. And we have to, in sense, sometimes trust where we're going. That this somehow there's an inner compass. That in that stopping and listening, uh, they also talk about the word uh, faith or trust as confidence. So there's some kind of confidence that when we've been, we've seen the suffering, we know that direction, that we step out into the cool. And the first awareness of that, when we kind of settle down and realize that we're sitting in the center and there's no ground, and there is a delight. You know, we are actually aware that we've pulled away from that wheel of dependent origination, that wheel of codependent arising. And so we sit. We sit and the heart-mind. And I really think it's helpful to that the word that was first translated by the Oxford um, back in the 1860s. Uh, they translated the word citta, which is, uh, was translated as mind. And over these some years, we realized that we can't separate that piece out. So it's really, it's a mind-heart that uh, is something about holding the whole. You know, you can't separate out the mind or the body. You can't separate out the heart. You know, it has to kind of hold all this. You know, and our capacity is, is not a single listening or a single knowing, but is an inclusive listening and knowing. And so there's delight when we know we've gone the other way. 
And so it's, a, in a sense, a kind of confirmation that uh, this is going. In a way that supports uh, that kind of stillness and this kind of deep listening that's necessary. And it builds. It builds last night. uh, Sharda was using the word uh, rapture. You know, that there's actually the uh, capacity for our physical experience uh, to know uh, uh, pleasure on an exceptional physical level. I think you know what I'm talking about here. And there's many degrees of that, you know. Uh, and it's necessary to um, have some uh, sorry, also a spoke of equanimity, the how do we hold it? in some uh, way that is intelligent and um, supports us in our capacity to keep moving, uh, to move really towards this uh, knowledge or vision of the way things are. Because ultimately, uh, whether it's um, where in the kind of uh, spiral list here, uh, the, this next piece is uh, basically tranquility, which I'll speak a little bit about. But it, the tranquility then goes from there to a happiness and concentration and the knowledge of way things are. And then there is, as we see clearly, how things arise and pass away. Uh, then uh, we're not being fooled, you know, to the subtlety of how we manufacture ourselves and all this. And so there is a disenchantment. And then there is a, a, a deep surrender. They use the word dispassion. Uh, I personally like the word of surrender, of deep surrender. And that deep surrender, then, uh, uh, the miti, uh, um, it's could uh, be just cessation, the ending, uh, the cool, and then there has to be the knowing of it. We have to actually know that it's occurred on some level. And that's kind of the links themselves. So I'd like to talk uh, about, because in the kind of sequence here, even though they're not sequential in this way, um, is the tranquility aspect. 
which, uh, first of all, uh, is I was thinking how I wanted to talk to you about it, and I think probably the way uh, I would talk about it is there's two aspects to it. And one aspect has to do with the very physical reality. And in the aggregates of uh, uh, really what exists from a kind of Buddhist point of view is first there is form or body, you know, so there has to be this uh, actually applying or eliciting this steadiness uh, that translates as uh, this tranquility. There's also a tranquility of mind, which really has to do with uh, the aggregate of the six senses and perception and uh, mental formations and consciousness that's uh, actually knowing that. And I'd like to actually put more attention, though, on the aspect of body. It's something that uh, seems uh, as uh, our knowledge of how this practice works. Uh, that even the most of the uh, transpersonal uh, beings uh, spoke of the power of embodiment. Uh, there was a great teacher in the last century that was uh, the teacher of Ajahn Chah. And uh, his name was Ajahn Moon. And the thing I loved about Ajahn Moon was that he was uh, a monk, yogi, uh, wondering aesthetic that would never stayed in one place. And he was actually very hard to pin down. Uh, he lived in the jungle, they say, you know, he, uh, you know, talked with tigers and uh, was a, actually a mystical being. Uh, and it was in the time when, uh, not that many years ago, where the teak forests and the canopies and the, uh, one of the things in the, in the canopy in northern Thailand, all the way down, uh, is uh, how noisy it is with the cicadas and, and, and birds. and uh, I mean, life just teems in some way. And uh, he would move all the time. And they say that Ajahn Chah uh, actually met him uh, and uh, only stayed three days with him. And he'd been a monk for many years and had been exploring what freedom was. But the story is that uh, his description was that if you took a jar of water and oil, and he said it was shaken up, and I was looking from the water to the oil. 
from the relative to the absolute. And he said, but after his time with Ajahn Moon, that it changed his mind, it turned his mind around where he was looking from the oil to the water, from the absolute to the relative. So I'll read to you a little um, piece from Ajahn Moon. In your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature. See the elements that that comprise it. See the impermanence, the suffering, the selflessness of the body while sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of mind can shine forth timeless and delivered. In this way, the purity of mind can shine forth timeless and delivered. Never allow the mind to desert the body. So I think of this when I think of uh, this um, practice of um, finding really the, the tranquility has to do with our ability to stabilize the body. And when the body is stable, uh, as we've been working here, the mind begins to calm down. Those other four factors begin to uh, loosen somewhat. You know, and there uh, becomes a steadiness. Uh, and that steadiness can hold. Uh, it can hold the joy. It can hold the delight. Uh, also the happiness. About uh, three years, three and a half years ago, I was uh, in Dharamsala, India, um, studying, and I was um, uh, looking for a specific kind of teacher. I'll tell you a little bit about it. One of the ways to do that is to read this uh, W.S. Merwin. It's called uh, Finding a Teacher. In the woods, I came on an old friend fishing, and I asked him a question, and he said, Wait. Fish were rising in the deep stream, but his line was not stirring, but I waited. It was a question about the sun about my two eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, the earth, with its four seasons, my feet, where I was standing, where I was going. It slipped through my hands as though it were water into the river. It flowed under the trees. It sank 
under hulls far away and was gone without me. Then where I stood, night fell. I no longer knew what to ask. I could tell that his line had no hook. I understood that I was to stay and eat with him. So I was in Dharamsala and I um, went to a, a teacher named Geshe Sonam Rinchen and he was uh, had in mid seventies uh, you know, had been educated in Sarah Monastery in Tibet had come to uh, Dharamsala as a refugee and um, was teaching at the library there and been teaching there 30 years. And I first went just just to listen, just to hear how it went. And I got a sense that there was nobody home. You know, and so I kept going and listening. And after a while, I said, well, I'd like to just go and meet with you. You know, so he asked me, well, what do you do? Of course, I told him. Maybe I shouldn't have, but anyway, I told him, I teach Dharma, you know. He says, well, you know, uh, what is it you teach? You know? I said, well, I, I, I think I teach Buddhism. And um sounded pretty good to him for a moment there. And, and he said, and then he asked me very seriously, he said, do you teach the four seals? Four seals, okay. No, come on, you know. So, uh, the four seals uh, are really uh, kind of the, I think, the heart of all this Buddhist practice. Everything conditioned is impermanent. All tainted states are painful. All phenomena are empty and devoid of self-entity. Nirvana is peace. And so when he came to the last one, he said, you know, and the question was, do I teach Nirvana? And I was really quiet for a long time. I thought, oh, how could, that's awfully brazen to ask that question. You know? And I had to think about it. That what is it that's being taught? And realize, yes, I teach that. You know, this is a practice of when uh, that mind, uh, as it settles and it it's, it is off the wheel, and it turns itself uh, to what is actually happening. You know, what is it that's actually happening? There has to be this deep listening that begins to tell you something. And this is so fundamental to our capacity to do this. 
we have uh, those obscurations or sometimes called the cankers or the uh, hindrances or all the things that are put up to deflect us from getting what's going on. You know? So we get entrapped in these, uh, sometimes these, uh, the hindrances or the stories or um, you know, something from long ago or uh, something that we long for. And we're, we're playing with this. You know? But there are moments, and I think there are many of them, where you stop. You don't look this way. You don't look that way. You just stop. What's there when you stop? No. Is something from out here? something you don't have? Or is it actually something that's always been here? No. Just covered over. Over and over again. And our practice here is sitting in essence that there is this um, what did I how did I say it? No wish, no need. Only to journey down with gravity. Revelations occur, okay? Revelations occur. We were never not whole. We were never not whole. So this is not something that uh, is anywhere else. It is somehow when we stop and we begin to listen and we see that uh, we have to look into how it's going on. And then there has to be some surrender, some way that uh, we have trained the mind. Uh, This is a mind training that is about what? It is the capacity to uh, maybe it's just let be. I don't think we can let go. I don't think we know how to let go. That's something outside of your power. But what you do know how is to let it be. You know, can it, you let it be. And if you let it be, then um, uh, when we're not struggling with anything, then there's this goodness there. You know, uh, and sometimes there's a, a text in the, I've studied in a kind of Tibetan system called the Tatha Gata Garba. It is a text uh, based on the fact that you are the Buddha. There's no other Buddha. You know, 
And when you're whole and you're whole, you've trained your mind uh, not to run off, but to actually stay, to rest in what's here. And by resting with what's here, then there is a kind of relaxing uh, surrender that then begins to allow uh, that wholeness, this mind connected to this body, that becomes a servant for that kindness, for that heart. You stop stop looking. It's enough looking. There's enough seeking that's happened. And somehow you have to, you know, uh, for me all these years has been such emphasis on the pilgrim, the seeker, the, you know, it's always over the uh, next hill. But that's not what this is asking. This is asking that you own what's available, what's underneath. You know, you have to line it all up. You know. Uh, later that year, I went up to Ladakh, in, which is, um, I have a love for the high Tibetan plateau, you know, up 12,000 feet or higher. And uh, I went up there to a cave to sit, you know. And uh, it was uh, absolutely um, physically inspiring uh, place. I need that. No. And I sat, and uh, one of the practices uh, for uh, a little over a month uh, was working with these uh, factors, which probably we will expand on. But uh, I, I, I just want to sort of lay a little piece of it out because it's been so helpful for me in how um, that to, to create this balance that then uh, can release um, the kind of seeker, this uh, kind of dualistic entrapment uh, that keeps us kind of uh, chasing our tails. No. It works like this. It's kind of like a, and this is my, the way my mind works, is it's kind of a seesaw, like a little kid seesaw. And uh, you have a kind of center triangle and a piece of wood on it. And that piece of wood, um, the whole practice itself is trying to uh, keep it balanced. You know, and they say that if you can get it to absolutely a place where there's no movement at all, where it's totally still, then what we know 
as the mind breaks. You know, and they talk about it as the actually the 37 factors. But I couldn't do all that. So we'll keep it real simple at seven factors. You know. But first, just this piece of, uh, that was talked about last night in the sense of the... Um, you know, I, I don't know the word, you know, mindful of the present. And I'm not even sure if we can be mindful of the present. You know, uh, I guess I can do this. It's kind of fun. You know, in one moment, uh, one second, they say, 11 million things are going on in the sense doors. 11 million. Now, I don't know where all this comes from, but it sounds good. You know, it's a bunch you know, are hitting the sense doors. Only 2,000 can be registered. Okay? So you can only pick up 2,000 of those. 11 million. You know, or a bunch and not so much. However you want to do the math here. (laughs) But in doing that, it actually is a big question. Because as this input's coming in and we quiet down and we think, well, maybe I can be present. Well, I don't know if that's possible because it's sort of like you're always behind the eight ball, you know. Uh, It's already happened, you know. You can't really be here, you know. I mean, how is that possible, you know. (laughs) It's sort of like a, a wake of a boat, you know, and you're Uh, Our job is to get as close to the boat as possible, right? But they use the word uh, mindfulness as uh, actually memory. So you're remembering what happened, not what's happening. I mean, this is a big deal because it, it really is talking about, you know, how much control do you actually have? And maybe this is a lot more about faith and surrender, Uh, than any great manipulations we do, okay? So relax, you know? You did all this to get here, you're doing all this to stay here, but now, you know? So we have this, and we really, in essence, are kind of playing with it, you know? And playing with it in the sense that uh, one side uh, are known as the uh, arousing factors, you know? And they kind of pull the seesaw up, you know? It's a quality of investigation, you know? Uh, There is uh, energy and there's joy. Those are things that uh, bring the seesaw up. So, you know, you get dull and kind of, um, you know, sloth and slow down, then uh, you can use these, you know. And that quality of investigation, of course, again, I find in the Western culture so much, you know, investigation can be such a big piece that it actually goes more to anxiousness. You know, we have to be careful not to too much of this. They can throw it out of balance. So there's a quality of investigation. There is uh, this physical energy, and sometimes when we, you know, the, the 
when Sharda was talking last night, sometimes the energy here can just blast through you, you know, and uh, shake you up, you know, really shake you up, you know. Um, it's just causes and conditions, you know. Uh, and at the same time, uh, there's joy, which I think sometimes is not emphasized enough where we have a pleasant moment. And can we just hang out? The pleasantness is cause and condition. It's only going to be there for not too long, you know, five, six moments and changes to something else and then to something else and to something else and to something else. So uh, there's this quality, though, of being able to use it, you know, when you need it. Uh, Again, you know, too much joy, and we kind of miss uh, the, they say the three, those three characteristics of uh, you kind of don't see the impermanence or the suffering, or you're not aware of it, or the selflessness of it. You know. Uh, so we have this, and this will take it up. And then the, the other side, and I'd like to speak of them when I talk about them. Um, I really see that that investigative part that uh, is really works it's really about the mind you know and that energy is has to do with the body and and the body uh, uh doing qigong doing yoga um you know, there's all kinds of ways that we can uh, use uh, the physical uh, to raise that energy, and there's and then there's very subtle forms internally actually to raise that energy. You know, so these are one side, and the other side is very simple. You know, uh, there is the tranquility which has to do, uh, oh, I didn't finish this. There is uh, the, uh, the investigative qualities, which are mind. There's the energy, which body, and joy, which is the heart. So we have sort of mind, body, and heart uh, that we can work with uh, to uh, look at what's happening. The same way on the other side, we have the capacity, first, for tranquility. Tranquility is, uh, I said, there's a mind piece to it, but the primal piece here, from what I understand of the practice, is very much what Ajahn Moon was talking about, that we have to stay connected. You know, it has, in essence, a kind of intelligence, that when the mind connects with it, uh, then... Um, yeah, you can relax. It knows what it's doing, you know. And again, too much tranquility, adios. You know, you go to sleep, and you're going to need one of these other factors. You know. Uh, so that's really body, and then the second of of, of these uh, these tra- these. Um, Stabilizing factors, we call them, 
uh, is concentration. It's really the mind where we can use the breath as a way to stabilize or um, metaphrases. Uh, some way of settling the mind on an object, whether it's uh, physical, it could be just a statue, it could be a color, a stone, uh, external, or it can be internal of um, the breath, the body, the mind moving through the body, uh, sweeping or And then the third of these uh, stabilizing factors uh, is equanimity. And equanimity, uh, there are many ways of kind of talking about it because it just has a way of uh, holding things in balance. But uh, from the view of Tranquility is the body, concentration is the mind. Equanimity is uh, one of the four pillars uh, of the Brahma-viharas, of the metta practice. Uh, and it is something of the heart, actually. It's the stable heart that can hold uh, more, period, just more. So I would work with these in my uh, practice, uh, just trying to, uh, several times a day, just look at where am I? What's going on inside? Is there something that I need to bring myself into balance? You know, something you do for yourself. Uh, this kind of quality of um, uh, investigation and Kind of knowing what is needed. So I think that's good for tonight. You can juggle a little of that or not at all. Spring. the gurgling of the creek, asking only one thing. Can you move with me? Teaching. Never the same twice. Just moving. Asking to trust the impossible of this waiting. How to breathe this aloneness poised on the ledge of spring. Everything's waiting. Bees, flies, you, me. Trembling from the earth's power 
of renewal. You came to this place knowing only faith could carry you across the threshold. Some fierce love so deeply buried. Some moments so long forgotten rising out of that clear mind-heart. Keenly feels its lightness and brightness, its own delight, joy, steadiness letting the darkness recede. Oh, this great posture unmoved by the small discomforts, sitting an ancient Buddha, revealing an upward spiral, moving towards a moment, a moment of disappearing, following up all the way to nowhere step by step. Oh, moving back into the known, this becoming, grabbing the smallest sound in time, bang, your sensitivity yelling, ouch, caught, trapped, struggle, had enough of this dying? Please, please, let go. No wish, no need, only to journey down with gravity. Revelations occur. Blessed and blessed again by the emptiness, the nakedness of it all. We have to give up everything to sit here. We have to give up everything to sit here. The eyes of a wise one and the heart of a child. The eyes of a wise one and the heart of a child. Oh, let's just sit for a moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit 
dharmaseed.org slash donate.